Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good morning, guys. So this morning we're going to do a little bit more reading as two chapters, and we'll do Revelation 9 and 10. So as we gather from last week, we were dealing with the last, we, de- we dealt with, it's a bit too loud, we, we've dealt with the first four trumpets, and now we are going into the last three, which are more severe, and, and that is why we have the uh, eagle flying over, crying, whoa, whoa, whoa which is uh, uh, actually an indication to those who hear to change course. Because if they don't, they're facing um, serious calamity. So let's start with Revelation 9.1. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to the earth. That star, we have to read the the context, because star could be a person or the star could be a, a planet. Right, so a heavenly body. So this, it seems to be like an angelic being, and it's not. Uh, although we can see from uh, falling from heaven, we have read in Revelation 12:9 how the big dragon fell from heaven. So this is not uh, the commentators don't consider this as a, a sign of Satan, but it is an angel. It's definitely not a good angel. It's one of the bad ones, uh, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Yet the bottomless pit is not the grave, it's not Sheol, it's not Hades, it is just a, a deep abyss somewhere. So and if, uh, he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. Now if you would read this, if the Jews read this, uh, the, the first thing that came to their mind is what happened when Sodom and Gomorrah was demolished. You remember that Adam stu- uh, Abraham stood there and he said he was looked over the plains of that area, and he, sm- he saw smoke rising. So that is the similar smoke. This is this sound. This this is ominous. It's an ominous sign, and um, smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth. Locusts. Now, if you if you uh, read Joel, Joel is another book that deals with the day of the Lord. So we have to, when we talk about, or the Bible talks about the day of the Lord, it's not like we say the day as if it's a single 24-hour period. It's like we say back in the day with the buggy and the horses, right? It's an era, it's a, it's a period of time, and it's not defined by Scripture. But the day of the Lord is, is, is very close to that, the, the, the seventh year of tribulation, when the, the day of the Lord will introduce the second coming. Now, if you read the book of Joel, you will see that it deals with the second coming. It deals with the day of the Lord. Great calamity. So I just want to read to you Joel 1 so that we can get the feel of this army that uh, John, the, uh, the apostle here, is talking about. Joel 1. 1. Hear this, you elders, as the word of the Lord came to Joel. The, the son of Bethuel. Hear this, you elders, give ear, all inhabitants of the land. As such a thing happened in your days, or in the days of your fathers, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. What the cutting locusts left, the swarming locusts has eaten, and what the swarming locusts left, the hopping locusts has eaten, and what the hopping locusts left, the destroying locusts has eaten. 
Awake you drunkards and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it's cut, it's, it's cut off from your mouth. So then it just pronounced, this is, this is a, a locust army that's going to invade the land. It's not, it's not a prophecy of real locusts. It is a prophecy that is coming at the end of the days, at the day of the Lord, which we are reading now about. Right? So we turn back to Revelation. And we go to 9, and we continue with the locusts. This is a totally different locust. The locusts of the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth and, or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the mark or the seal of God on their foreheads. So immediately when you read about this, this locust, you don't think of a real locust. This is something else. This, maybe it has the appearance of locusts, but surely it's quite different. And let's, let's read on. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts, so the comment here is these locusts are most likely demons from the abyss who has a king, most likely Satan, released on God's order to torment the rebellious mankind. Awful. Awful. Um, were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like the human faces. Their hair like women's hair. And their teeth like lion's teeth. So the, the lion's teeth, what, 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 what is being conveyed is please, please be careful not to say, remember he has to, he, John sees things he's never seen before. Um, so that if, if they show me some appliance in the kitchen that the ladies use for something, and you know, and you have to try and give it in man's terms, it looks like this. It looks like a grinder, but this grinder has got extra... Uh, buckets and stuff like that. So he has to use a language that he of uh, things he's seen that he's not familiar with. But what his impression is, th this speaks of something fearsome, with unsatiable appetite for blood. That's why he, he comes up with lion's teeth and they had breastplates like the breastplates of iron. So let's see what the bright. Uh, in John's time, the armor men wore for war was not like a chain link, but overlapping plates like scales. Uh, so, so he's trying to describe it in the armor of the day. The breastplates like breastplates of iron and the horse uh, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon and Greek it is called Apollon or Apollyon. So, so that is just, this is probably similar to the angel that the Lord used in Egypt. The destroyer. That's what his name means. The destroyer. That the Lord, that, that acts on the Lord's orders. So even though it's, um, even though it's, it's, it's uh, the, the enemy's doing, or God is doing it through the enemy's means. So that, um, the leader of this oh, locust army is called Apollyon or Abaddon. One is Greek, Abaddon is Hebrew, and Apollyon uh, is, is Greek. It's probably because the readers of the Revelation will be Hebrews as well as uh, uh, Gentiles, Greeks. So the first woe passed. Behold, two more woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, 
And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Or Euphrates. So note that the, that voice says, Release the angels. So that means they were bound before. So they're not good angels. And we know that if you read Jude, if you read Peter, there are certain angels that overstepped their boundaries. They were disobedient to the Lord and they were kept in bondage for the day of their um, punishment. So here there's a voice that says, release four angels, the four angels that is bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who have been prepared, for, listen, they had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. So if we think of if we think of what the earth population will be, a third of mankind, if we take it at, 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 at nine, nine million, billion people, it's, 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 it's such a... Uh, it leaves us speechless to think of the impact. The number of the mounted troops. Now, the, if we talk about mounted troops, we got the idea, or we get the idea that he's talking about an army. But is, is it really an army of men? Some people say that. Other people say it's, it's, it's a demonic army. So, and, and the number there is uh, twice 10,000 times 10,000. And, uh, and it's, I heard the number 200 million. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and sapphire and sulfur. So th those colors, um, the, they symbolize heavenly judgment. So fire, sapphire, and sulfur, because we, we can consider what's happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire and sulfur rain from the, from the sky, from the heavens. And this, this came out of their mouths. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the, fire, the smoke and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths. Now, remember the locusts, their power is in their tails. Here, that, that, the, the, the enormous army of 200 million and the horses, the, the, the power of their strength, the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. So, obviously, if you, if you read testimonies of people that, that have had experiences with demons and they've seen them, the description is, is horrifying. So what I think is happening, there's no such animal, there's no such beast alive on earth. This is a demonic force that has been released on us. And they also were kept by the four angels. Remember, the four angels had to be released, and it's probably under their command. So we are, we are learning here something about the, the, the dark side of Satan and his forces that are, are mind-boggling. And God has let, kept them under, under bondage for a time like this. And that means that God is desperate. He has done everything he could to, to, have, to, to bring out the, 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 the message of salvation. And still in between trumpets, there is time for people to repent. And we will see later on how, how that warning is, is, is being heeded. So the power of the horses in their mouths and in their tails, the tails are like serpents with heads. So, so the, 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 if, you, if, you, if you... I think uh, Paul used on purpose the word serpent here, uh, Paul, uh, John... The word serpent is reminding us of the, the, the Genesis 3, when the serpent who was more sly and cunning than any other animal were, uh, was released here. Um, so let's uh, go to verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands 
and give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor that they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. That is mind-boggling. If we just see through which woes they've already come, that they could be so hardened by sin and so hardened by pleasure and so that they would still... Maybe they consider this as something that will pass soon. I don't know what mindset you need to be to be able not to say, uh, I would repent. Uh, We go to chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud and with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. And he had a little scroll open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Can you imagine such a being? How how big would that be? So that's why some of the commentators consider this angel as as, as a manifestation of the Lord Jesus. And others say, no, this is just a normal angel. Because if you look at the description of this angel, it reminds us very much of what we see when the Lord was walking among the lampstands, when he was dealing with the churches, with his his robe of pure white and and the golden sash around his chest and then you had this burning burnished copper legs and feet and face like the sun and hair like white as wool and the eyes like flaming fire this reminds us of that and that's why people say it's probably the same same angel that was was ministering in the in the holy of holies that we dealt with in chapter 8 that was actually pouring out the golden censer with fire from the altar on the, on, on the earth so as if the lord jesus christ is taking part in the same Judgment on those who would, uh, rejected him. So the jury is out on who that is. If it's that's a strong angel, or is it the Lord? But they over, uh, most of the commentators think that it's not the Lord Jesus that he's talking about here. So and he set his right foot on the sea. So sea is uh, the, the symbol. A sea is a symbol of what is ever uh, changing, that which is inconsistent and. Uh, so the land is what is consistent and stable, but the sea is something that is unstable and ever-changing. So that means just show, show you that God has authority over, over order and disorder. Um, so uh, it's important to realize uh, the Jews were not a seafaring nation. And when you talk about the sea, the storms of the sea, and the Leviathan, the monster in the sea, it was always to them a dangerous place. It was always a place where God is not. That's where the demons lurk. That's where the trouble is. So in the same fashion here, if the angel stands on the sea and the land, um, it's, not the, it's not really, it's a, it's a representation, a symbolic of the, of the superior, superiority of God of, of whatever realm we're dealing with. And I called out, he called out with a loud voice, like a lion roaring. Doesn't sound like the Lord, isn't it? When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. The seven thunders. Now, announcing warning. Trouble is coming from heaven, and it's not over yet. And when the seven thunders had sounded, it was about, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. So it's similar to Daniel. Daniel was also shown something in the prophecy, maybe a similar thing that John is seeing now. And God said, Seal it up. I don't want the people to know it. Maybe it's going to be so horrible that it will, that it will or you can't, cannot bear it. But, but it was sealed up. It was sealed up for Daniel. It is sealed up, sealed up for us now. 
And the angel whom I saw standing on the, sea, on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven. That is typical, a right hand to heaven, that's a typical uh, position where, when a Jew would swear an oath to God. That's how he would stand. Um, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. And there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. So, um, the mystery of God here means the kingdom promise to his people. The deli- he's talking, what we are dealing now with, we are dealing with the time of the, of the, of the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. So, many of these Symbolisms are quite familiar to them because it's happened before or the prophets have warned them before of this. So when we talk about the mystery of God would be fulfilled, the kingdom promised to his people, the deliverance uh, or redemption of Israel and the establishment of his kingdom on earth. The secret or the mystery is the na- to the nation of Israel is going to, dis- or the, the nation of Israel is going to, to discover who their real Messiah is. So finally, that time is going to come for them as, as all the trumpets and then the bold judgments come and the, finally the day of the Lord comes with, in, amongst all the horrors. The, by the grace of God, the nation of Israel, the remnant that is to be saved, will recognize their Messiah. They, they say they will see Him, the one whom they've pierced, and they will grieve to their soul. So that is the mystery of God that God says... Uh, there's a, remember the time of the, the time of the Jews. The Jews dominated history until 586. Uh, that is when the, the Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar demolished Israel, and, uh, Jerusalem, and the Temple. And it was the first time in their history that the Temple was totally removed. And Ezekiel saw the. the, the I talked to you about the chariot, the chariot of God's throne, lifted up from the Temple, left the Temple, and went away. And they were horrified. They thought. That's how they always, um, when they sin, they console themselves. The temple is there. God is still there. The sacrifices carry on. And they said, it doesn't really matter what I do. God is still there. So when this judgment comes, the era of Israel has closed. God has said, I am going to take off the people that were exiled. They were the branches that were broken off from the olive tree. Because the Israel is a symbol of, the, the olive tree is a symbol of Israel. So they were broken off. And then, the, the message that Paul, we read in Ephesians, the mystery of Christ. What was the mystery? That God has decided that with Israel he will have the, 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 the nations of the world combined into one entity, and that is us, the church. So the church, where, where, the, where the disobedient Israelites, those who were unfaithful to the first covenant of God were broken off, the church was implanted. And now we have gone through the, uh, the church age in Revelation, and now we are dealing with, after the church is ruptured, uh, uh, raptured, <laughs> we are dealing now with those who stay behind. And those who stay behind could be the unbelieving Jews and also all the other unbelieving nations that rejected the Lord. That is why the trumpet, trumpet's uh, judgments come. And this is what, now we see another interlude. We have seen an interlude between, between the sixth and the seventh seal. Now, yet again, we have seen in this chapter 10, we will see there is a pause between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. 
So I just want to take it from the top. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. That fulfillment, we see that in the book of Exodus as well. The nation of Israel was delivered after God judged Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. So he will in the great tribulation judge the nations and then again deliver his chosen people. It's very good to know that God has a modus operandi. That is a way he works. If we see what's happened in, in, Israel, in Egypt, we always have to remember that um, God promised the judgment from the beginning on Pharaoh. And if you understand the gods of, of uh, the different gods that they worship, you will understand the plagues. Every plague was meant to uh, unmask and humiliate and defeat one of the gods that they serve. So God would have no competition. He would make sure that anything else that we believe in and that we hope for is apart from Him will be destroyed. So that in the end, all glory will belong to Him. So despite what has happened in the land of Egypt, the land of Goshen, where the Israelites dwelt, is totally untouched. So, but we see the, 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 the Israelites did not leave the land of Egypt until the last plague. At the night of the last plague, that's when God moved them out. So in the same pattern we can expect to happen in the, in the, day, of, the day of the Lord, with the seventh trumpet. You remember that there were 144,000 Jews that received the seal of the Lord. They were pro proclaiming the gospel to whoever would listen. Would ever look at the trumpet judgment and think, this is not natural, this is not scientific, this is supernatural. Is there anybody that can tell us how to escape? And then that is, that is, that is those, those, that will be, those that will be saved uh, through their message will be left on earth. They're not going to be raptured because the church is already gone. But they will go through this horrifying judgment because the seal of the Lord is upon them. They will be protected. But you see, I just want you to notice that here in the 10th chapter we see the judgment of God and what we know when we see the judgment of God there comes deliverance for His people. So the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as He announced it to His servants, the prophets. And there are so many prophets that, that threatened the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the judgment of God. And after the judgment... Um, God will turn to them who is not a nation and say, you are my children. And if you go to Ezekiel 36 or Jeremiah 31, you will see the Lord says, I will make a new covenant with them. I will put my, my laws in their hearts. So this is, this is what will happen when, when, when he finally comes to them. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again saying, go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. Now, if you, if, if you say, what is the little scroll? Uh, some theologians say, no, this is the same scroll that Jesus opened. But never did I read before it mentioned a little scroll. Unless this angel is one of those giants that the scroll looks little in his massive hand. But uh, So some people say, no, this is a new, this is actually the title deed of the world that God has handed over. Uh, to, but uh, the coming of the Lord 
let's see what I said here. The coming of the Lord Jesus to claim ownership and authority back on earth is simultaneously sweet and bitter. Sweet to us as the redeemed, but so bitter as we see the fury of God unfolding on the unbelievers. Because we will see now that the command was, of, was to eat this little scroll. And he's not the only prophet that had to eat the little scroll. It happened to Ezekiel as well. And the same thing happened to them. Bitter in the mouth and, uh, and, and sweet in the mouth and bitter in the stomach. Because it's good news and bad news. It's good news for those who are saved. It's horrible news for those who have to face the fury of God without recourse. Take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many people and nations and languages and kings. So... Um, Remember now, we are about to hear the seventh trumpet. That has not yet happened. So the seventh trumpet will, be, will reveal the final judgments of the bowls and the final establishment of God's rule on the earth. When the seventh trumpet is finally sounded, there is an announcement that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And that the time has come to judge the dead, to reward the saints, and to destroy the earth's destroyers. Three events are recorded in the remaining chapter of the book, which include the seven bowl judgment, the new heavens, and the new earth. This is a bit of a, a long lesson and not much to explain because it is um, it's, it's actually obvious. But the good news is, as the Lord unfolded the scroll and broken the seals, it was just to, for us to know God has a specific plan for the world, His timetable. There's a place where you say the angels, they, they, they were earmarked for the hour, the day, the month, the year. So God is very precise in His timetable. It's not happening by accident. It's not being offset by uh, what they decide in the United Nations or wherever else. This is God's timetable and it will happen. And the great news is God says, the reason I tell you that, so that when it happens, you will know that I'm God. That's the whole point of prophecy. The point of prophecy is for us to be prepared, to live prepared, to know that God doesn't lie. And what God says, He means. And we better take note. I prayed this morning, I said, Lord, I don't know how you will bless us with today's lesson. But we trust that the Lord will bless us somehow. Because there's a blessing for those who hear, the, hear this and obey. There's a blessing for those who would preach it and, and listen and obey at the same time. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless.